This Talking Flutes podcast is kindly sponsored by Trevor James Flutes, making life sound beautiful. You can show them some flute love by following them on Instagram at TJ Flutes, Trevor James Flutes on Facebook, and at TrevorJamesFlutes.com. I'm Claire Southworth and this is Talking Flutes and my guest today is Elizabeth Walker who's going to help me discuss everything that we know about study books. Hello there Liz. Hello Claire, lovely to see you. Nice to see you too again. Now we've had some questions in from listeners about study books, how to choose them, which which ones to play depending on levels and, and all that. I thought I might just ask you at the start is when I say study books, what comes to mind? Uh, yes, that's a very good question, isn't it? Because there is, a, in my mind anyway, um, a, a slight difference between those um, books that are daily exercises, should we say, and those that you can dip into and get some instructions about. And then yet another category, which is, I suppose, um, uh, the sort of almost um, uh, pieces to, to play, uh, such as 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 the Boehm and the and, and the uh, Anderson and the Castorade. You know, they're, they're pieces that actually I call them pieces as much as studies. So yeah, I think there is a, a big difference. Uh, between those daily exercise books, which are, I suppose, by dint of explanation, just um, technique scale patterns, uh, the methods, if you like, where you might just gleam from the pages some pearly word of wisdom, um, some idea that uh, that a, that a player has has popped in there, maybe in passing in a sentence that you just go, yeah, that's what I've been meaning to, you know, say to my students all along, and then that and it's been encapsulated for me in that sentence. Um, and those studies, as I say, that I, I see as pieces, they're, they're almost extensions, aren't they, to our repertoire? Absolutely. I mean, I agree. I think there is definitely the need to sort of differentiate um, between the various books that are on the market, and, and some are purely technical. So I sort of think of them as the, the, the uh, in terms of technique, sort of ones that will be tone development or finger technique development or articulation. And then yeah. others are more sequential in nature. And um, where, so sequential meaning they're offering um, uh, patterns, various patterns to work through keys. And then lastly, there are what I call the general study books. Um, uh, which often pick a technique and, and base uh, base the study around that technique, like you're saying, like with Boehm or Alters, whatever. And then yeah. there are also workbooks, general maybe workbooks. I suppose some books are also crossover. So we've got a mi- whole mixture. And also then we've got classic and te- contemporary. It's sort of, um, there, is, there, is a, there is a lot. So- choice isn't there all of a sudden yes. and, and what's interesting me is how many new study books um even this this last year and maybe that's um thanks to lockdown uh, i think we've had maybe quite a lot of teachers who are imparting all of these uh studies 
if you like in their teaching you know every time i teach you you've you you hope your pupils will get out a, a pencil and write down something that you're saying uh you hope that in a, every lesson that you give there's there's a new idea there um and maybe in this sort of period of lockdown that we've had uh, it's given us teachers maybe an opportunity to sit and think well you know maybe this needs writing down because i think also there's a tendency isn't there and i often say this to my students you know please write it down because i know you're off to a, a maths lesson next or or you you've just come from a history exam and and their focus isn't necessarily going to be there so that they take that uh, that that um, sentence or that idea uh, or that new technique idea that it's not necessarily going to resonate in the lesson and if they haven't written it down I think oh no that's a bit of a you know missed opportunity and certainly when I look at my notebooks from um, college and thank goodness I wrote them all those years back uh, those little pointers are still there and and I do look back at them actually because again you know that was a really busy time learning I was learning to live in London and and my focus I'm ashamed to say wasn't always on what my flute teacher was saying but I wrote it all down so Claire I can look back at it and go ah yeah in some of these new study books you know there's there's little little sentences that keep jumping out at me and I go yeah that's like having a lesson with this person just opening the book and having a little read yes it's interesting what you said because because of lockdown I mean certainly you have written books and I've written books and other people have, have written books because it's actually given us the space to think and put something down without the pressure of of doing other things so it's a really good positive so there's a lot yeah. of new material out there isn't there which there we will come on to later, I'm sure. So Yeah, and you've got time, haven't you, as well, to, um, you know, I've been buying lots of study books, and you could say, well, Liz, really, you know, haven't you got an, I mean, I have this pile next door to me. There's hundreds of them. Why am I buying new study books? But, you know, it's fascinating, this, this sort of little chink that we've had, this little sort of opening, if you like. Um, to to not only explore ourselves, but also time to read what other people are saying, because we, of course, we're all saying the same thing. We all we all want to play the flute better, uh, but we all say it slightly differently. Yes, there's lots of little gems wrapped up yeah. in all these books. So, and that's presuming that I was going to say, why are then these study books important? Because I know a lot of players will only play pieces, and they don't address the study area they just think they're going to learn the flute well enough by just playing pieces so how could you sum up why studies are important well i i really firmly believe um, that without addressing certain little techniques and in fact doing that before you play your pieces you are going to improve the pieces. I mean, of course, I think if you're a really conscientious practicer, uh, you could maybe go straight to the piece, providing you then choose to do your tone exercise within the repertoire, uh, within the material that's in your piece. And yes, you could come across your finger technique that, that's a, a little bit wanting and, and just go over and over and over that in different creative ways, i.e. creating your own study out of your piece. And that's that's an important thing that I, I know I do, I'm sure you do, but actually 
actually it's um it's you know it takes a time to to see your pieces in the in that way and to and to work at them like a study and i think for our for our younger generation for sure uh instilling the discipline of of looking at the studies of doing the 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 techniques the 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 flexibility in the embouchure, the tonality, uh, the expressive quality, and obviously the finger work. It's 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 such a good discipline to actually try and uh, separate those out in your practice, if you like. And and for me as a teacher, knowing that my students have have covered those patterns, um, have done some work on their tone, it it allows me then to relax and go okay when we get to the pieces we'll tie all that in and and i don't i suppose I, what i'm saying is i don't quite think you instill that way of looking uh, at the music as a potential study if you like unless you've studied the the best um which i would say you know looking at obviously uh, Moyes and Tafnel and Gober because they are by tradition, our go-to studies, aren't they? Really? Absolutely. Now, all that is 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 so useful. And also, I'm thinking suddenly you 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 brought something to mind that we we practice generally in order to play. And yeah. But if you're only practicing your piece, it doesn't allow you that freedom then to play because you're thinking always of the technique of it. So, what study books do is that they, I suppose we use them to push um, our development in all the areas of technique. And each of us needs to pick the studies that will help the progression, but not to stifle it. So we need stimulating uh, progressive studies, but not ones that crush you or demoralize you. And sometimes I think students can get studies that are far too hard for them. So it just puts them right off and they don't keep going. So it's important from a teacher's point of view to grade them for your students so they're not put off at a very early stage. I mean, I've always loved study books. I've loved the whole mix, mix of them. Why don't we talk, if we can separate it out for our listeners, if we talk maybe first about for tone development, what would you pick? You've mentioned Moyes. So what, what of Moyes would you would you pick in terms of tone development? Well, the Moyes is interesting because I realise I actually don't have de la sonority. Well, I did <laughs> for many, many years and I no longer have it. But that doesn't matter because I, the, the strength of de la sonority is that you you can memorize uh, you can you don't need to look at the book so i um i haven't noticed that i haven't got it um but i would say that i teach it every day and i play it every day when i was really young i was about 12 i went to the i was at the junior royal college and uh sir james galway uh, came and gave a masterclass to the senior students but that we at the junior college could come along and he spent two hours on de la sonority and I can almost remember word for word everything he said and it was totally eye-opening and then my mother said rather rather sweetly she said I can't understand how you got into music college because all you ever play is duh not the same yeah. it works it works it's such an impressive study so that's my go-to every day uh, with every student and it and 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 it's wonderful having said that uh 
Claire, I love your book. I love the tips. I love all of the the the, the bullet points. The reboot. I Amazing. love. I love the pages that you put in just to just to remind you, if you like, of all of those key points so that you've just got them right in front of you so that if you've forgotten maybe to take your big breath or you've forgotten the vocalizing or you've forgotten an aspect, it's just there as a bullet point. And I find that really helpful with oh, my students. You. Thank you. No, it's really, really fantastic. Um, I have been looking extensively all year um, with this wonderful book by Philippe Bernard, Le Souffle, Le Son, The Wind, The Sound. Um, he says that it's a selection of exercises and repertoire excerpts to gain control of the air column and develop a beautiful sound. I mean, that says it all in just that sentence. But uh, I find it, it's been really resonating uh, for me. I love the idea of he connects it with, with legato singing. He talks about legato singing, the basis of a singer's vocal and musical expression, results from the way the singer connects notes through breathing and breath control, making the sound flow from one pitch to another, and how much more intense the emotional expression is used by the singing of wider intervals. I mean, it's again, it's one of those that I read and I think, yep, that's what I've been trying to say all my life. So I've been using this a lot and harmonics in here are very, very, um, very nicely laid out. But I love your harmonics. I love that poem that you found and that you play on the harmonics. We've been doing that lots with um, my students over the year and that that quality of flexibility is what I'm looking for them because so often I've inherited them and they've gone very far, very fast, and they've cut corners. So many of us do it. Mm -hmm. uh, we just push into that next octave and they don't have the control of the lips. And once they get that, um, we've, we've solved so many intonation problems. We've solved so many, solved so many of the dynamic colors that we're trying to find. Mm -hmm. uh, they find they can play up in the top octave with, with different colors and sonorities which is something that they struggle with a lot because they've they, they, as i say they, they've gone really quite fast very young and a lot of them have a lot of tension in their lips so that's something that's very specifically helpful uh, to the sort of students i'm teaching i guess and we mustn't forget his first book which i adore technique d'embrochure yes yeah. it's a slightly different because that is really it's a sequence book it's patterns isn't it yeah but uh, it's wonderful for strengthening the embouchure. I mean, he's just, again, he's picked something that's that's simple, but so effective, like de la sonorité. Simple but effective. And sometimes the simple things are the, are the best things that we can find. The things we're going to, to remember, very, I mean, I think a lot of it is um, almost uh, stopping yourself from reading the notes and, and allowing your imagination uh, to, to go. And I think um, using the word improvisation sometimes scares my students, so I tend not to say that. But, you know, just to be able to put the flute together and to get blowing, not critically, but just get playing, uh, mm. I think solves a lot of the problems uh, that we've got with, with students going straight to repertoire pieces, mm. because I try and ask them, you know, not to get the music out of their, their cases mm. until they've, they've had a good long chance to warm up. You've, you've reminded me of something. We used to have um, an improvisation uh, test in the auditions at the academy, which was I just wrote out a lot of semi-briefs, all, all, just all different notes, changing notes. And um, 
we would just ask people to improvise using those notes. And I find that's really good if you say, going to, you're going to start with a tone exercise in terms of lessons. And here are your notes. And I want you yeah. to spend as long or as little. And if you want to change the rhythm or, or anything else, more legato, more articulated, but here are your notes. Don't worry about what to pick. Here they are. But try and make something beautiful out of a series of notes. Um, and it means that their focus is on the sound and the production of the sound and the breathing and the posture. You have time to think when you have space in the tone exercises. Yeah. So that's, no, that's really a good one. Really important. Now, other books, I, I just made a quick list of what I sort of think of when I think about tone development books. So Moise de la Sonorité, Moise's Tone Development Through Interpretation. I'm not sure how easy that is to get hold of. I don't know. I, I was, yeah, I think I think you can still get it. My, my, mine's ancient. Look, it's all. Yeah, so is mine. There's a modern, there is a modern version of it, which is Peter Robert. Luke Graf. Ah. Oh. The Singing Flute. The Singing Flute. And, and also Robert Wynne. Robert Wynne's done a, a collection, Robert hasn't Wynne. he? Of, uh, yes, his is called Melodies for Developing Tone and Interpretation. Absolutely. Mustn't forget Robert Wynne's books, which are, be, which are wonderful. Um, who else have we got? We've got, um, if we're going, you know, I suppose in, in, when we talk about study books, we've got classic and contemporary. So Robert Dick, Tone Development Through Extended Techniques, which yes. is so good for modern, for, for classical flute playing as much as modern flute playing. I've got this book, and, and you know what? I haven't really looked at it yet, which is shocking, um, but it, it looks fascinating. And again, using the harmonics as well. Mm -hmm. And the throat tuning exercises. It's a super book. Really, really good. Book. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, that's a fantastic one. And uh, the, the little, is it 24 little melodies? Or I used to use those for maybe uh, someone who'd only been playing maybe a year or someone who's been playing for many, many years. I remember I remember a flute course, the, the, the international flute course with William Bennis in Kent. And it was when I was a, a student. And um, he said, before we get onto repertoires, the beginning, so he had a class of about 16. He said, I want every one of you to play me one of the Moyes 24 little melodious studies. Perfect. And once we've, each of you have played one of those, we'll, we'll go on to repertoire. And it was a 10-day course. We spent nine days on Moyes 24. We didn't get off. Them. Yes. It was just unbelievable. <laughs> and then, you know, you know, Wibb's famous for his taxes and elephants, uh, you know, potatoras yep. and phrase-offs. And then on the 10th day, somebody got up to play uh, Mozart G major concerto. And they went, yum, bum, bum, bum. Ba -da -da. And he said, stop, Moyes 24. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, um, it I sounds know. like it could have been really sort of tedious and boring, but it wasn't. It was, we learned yeah. so much about music through that book. It was absolutely those moments where you get a, a student. I, I've been teaching adults in Benslow online and, and one student came up um and and played one of those uh, melodies and and it was a it was a sort of stop moment i mean it was so beautiful and so inspiring and and i genuinely think she thought she'd discovered it because she was like you know i don't think you'll know this 
and played the and it was like oh but it was so beautiful and she really owned it and that's what's so lovely about those melodies as well yeah and that's a great starting book I mean I know they get a little bit tricky but I think you know the flute's an easy instrument if you've been playing a year you can get started on those absolutely more and you learn about uh, musical grammar you learn about phrasing and articulation and key all goes through all the keys it's just a stunning book and again you know Philippe Benold's idea about um, intervals you know the the expressive quality of some of the intervals yep. beautiful beautiful absolutely do you remember which books you used before you got to college um before I got to Guildhall it would have mostly been De La Sonority yeah I don't think we had that much variety actually Claire I don't remember owning that many books as a child but exactly. I did have I didn't either. and it was very expensive I seem to remember as well so it's one of those books that my parents would have said well I'm not buying that for you <laughs> but eventually they did uh, so I definitely definitely used uh, De La Sonority and then I would definitely have had the Boehm 24 and I love the Boehm 24 pieces again you know anything that says 24 you know it's going to be good because it's going to take you through all the keys um, but I really appreciate now having you know learned other keyed systems um, I really appreciate that Boehm's helping us with this newly invented flute because if you come off you know, playing an eight keyed flute and you go into playing a Boehm system flute and you play those 24 caprices, it sort of gets me back into to Boehm flute playing, if you like, if I've just had a, a long period of not playing it. Because he just, you know, he's he's working every single finger combination. But at the same time, I think they're just beautiful pieces of music. So you never want to play any of them without a gorgeous tone. So you're, you know, you're, you're going to stop and get your tone back if, if, you know, if you can't find that lovely sound, but they're so challenging. They challenge absolutely, you know, the number one with all those bottom C's. Ah, you know. <laughs> I'm fingering E with your little finger. Even the little finger, yeah. Yes, terribly difficult. So, well, I remember I, I did play through Cola studies, but I think um, I, I don't remember doing so many. I, I, I think I, I was mainly doing them because uh, they were in some of the grade exams. I only did one grade exam. I only did grade eight because I had a really good teacher that just said, let's learn the flute. So I remember Cola and then, yes, Boehm were, were fantastic. Um, I also had uh, went through the Altes 26 studies. Did you? Uh, the original book, every, every study is a duet version and they are absolutely stunning. Is that still available? I'm sure the volume must be available somewhere, but we need someone to publish the duet, yes. the duet yes. version. Because, you know, if you were in a lesson and you, because they, they suddenly became quite lengthy. If you had, if your teacher was playing the second flute part, you'd keep going. Yeah. And they really pushed you, for, you know, in terms of stamina and, and learning all the various techniques, but they're beautiful. They're so melodic, they're so expressive. I didn't know there was a duet version of those. And I, it's another thing I've spotted uh, coming off teaching on Zoom and going back into the classroom. Um, 
I've I've ended up playing so much with my students. I'm exhausted after two days at Wells. I'm absolutely on my knees, but it's so it's so important. And I really spotted that that's what they were missing um, having having learnt on Zoom. I mean, Zoom's brilliant, but it, to play a duet with a student in the same room and and bounce off each other's resonances, but also you know that discipline of of making sure that you're playing in time. Uh, intonation, uh, really throwing dynamic contrasts at each other. Um, you know, that's the way to, in my book, that's the way to learn. And I remember when I, I learned with uh, Catherine Lucas in uh, Guildhall, and I remember standing next door to her and she would breathe. I mean, she'd breathe even if we didn't do duets, to be honest, but the, this this enormous breath would come out. And it was just visually so inspiring to stand next door to somebody breathing properly. And and you don't need then somebody to stand over you and tell you to breathe. You, you're just going to do it because you can hear. You can hear the space and the time and the importance of that that she used to do with a little skinny stick when I learned with her. I used to dream of being able to just go and quadruple in size. It was brilliant. Well, that I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head here because when you're playing with your students, they learn so much. So you should seek out the Alta's original uh, method. The duets are stunning. Absolutely stunning. Yeah. In terms of the Moyes books, which I love and I go back to so often, I, I think because they're so expensive for people listening, it's well worth looking on eBay. Because oh yes, eBay, they, they have so much music and you can often pick up the Moyes books for very, very little money. It's definitely worth, worth looking. So tone development books, which are generally exercises apart from the Moyes, Tone Development, the Peter Lucas Grass Singing Flute and the Robert Wynn book, which use melodies. And then uh, we talked a bit with the Moyes 24 and the Boehm and the Altes. They are sort of standalone pieces of music that generally pick on one form of technique and then stick to it, don't they? So if it's if it's for single tonguing, yeah. the whole studies on single tonguing. So other ones that that I would use would be, uh, this is maybe for later, for later on, things like the um, Damas study books. Did you ever come across those? So yes. Damas, Stella Marion, what was difficult on the flute? Marion told him, and then he produced the 24 studies based on what Marion told him. And what I love about the Damas, the first book, is there are no markings, there's no dynamic markings. So you have to create music for using your own imagination. Yeah, and the other one like that is the um, Karg Ellert, the 30 Caprices. Yes. Got now, it. he also asked the principal flute of the Leipzig Gewandhaus Orchestra what's difficult on the flute. And his book is very, very progressive. It start, they're very short but they get very difficult very quickly. So they're really challenging, but they're fabulous to play. Um, it's fun, isn't it? It is fun to have, have a real challenge. Because another one I love is the Castorade. You know, the, the 12 studies that Castorade he's written. Castorade 12, and, yes. Beautiful. They're, they're absolutely beautiful. And they really inspire because they're so beautiful. You know, you, there, are, there are, again, ones that you just, just want to do a better job each time you get to it. Mm. 
yeah you know go further with your breathing go further with the dynamics try and and bring those to life they're wonderful and and they're short so you uh, you know you haven't got four pages to do yeah and these books are, are progressive so you feel like you've moved forward by the time Indeed. you've finished uh, did you ever play the Seussman? the Seussman no before? no the most beautiful melodies in that one again hard technically hard get they get technically hard but wonderful for flexibility um and and uh patterns um really lovely so it's a very it's a very traditional book oh, we haven't done anderson um, and anderson is is i always think the the go-to after you've played all the the berms i don't know whether i'm right about that but i always think it's sort of just that lift there a little bit longer very good for stamina i remember you know most of mine have got repeat marks at the bottom that was cruel but i used to try and play them all through twice and and because stamina becomes a big big thing doesn't it eventually i mean again we're talking about slightly more advanced but if you're going to play three movements of a concerto for example you're going to need that sort of stamina uh, that allows you just to keep going even when you get to the end of your sort of physical uh, <laughs> ability and uh, yes i think that was probably another uh, catherine lucas idea that i play those through twice i don't think nearly enough teachers talk about stamina it's it's something that people really struggle with um yeah. but i think if you it's a bit like getting fit that you you gradually increase what you do to increase your stamina and flexibility. And, um, and I, I get another story that comes to mind suddenly when you say that is that when I did my final recital, there'd been the, the brass recitals the day before and a, and a trombone player had started off his recital and after uh, 20 minutes said, I, I'm sorry, I have to stop. I, I can imagine that actually, because of course, you know, one thing that we forget is that if it, if you've got a, a recital coming, you're going to want to practice and then produce your best after all of that. It's not going to be possible unless you know that you can play for six hours and then then play at your best. Yeah. And it is, you know, uh, quite uh, quite common actually. I'm finding is is this 50 minute recital again. It may be a sort of post post um, lockdown idea too that that you actually condense your programs and you do a 50 minute recital rather than a, a full length recital with your interval. 50 minutes non stop flute playing. Woo! <laughs> you have to really think very hard about what you're going to program. You know, if you're going to do Trochner Blumen, for example. Uh, which I stupidly did do a couple of years back. And I remember Atara being in the audience and she said to me after she listens to the Trochner Bloomer, which I placed right in the middle of the program, so stupid. She thought she's never going to be able to play after that. <laughs> and it's a very, 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 very good experience to go through, but preferably not in front of a you know massive audience in in your final recital it's not a good time to find out that actually maybe the placing of that piece isn't very sensible in the middle of the program yeah no absolutely it needs to be either at the end of your half or at the end of the program the other one was the christoph zariah the three uh, flamenco studies are stunning and we haven't mentioned the paganini caprices yes um they they are literal translations aren't they of the violin ones and i love the idea of of looking at other instruments i mean that's something we haven't touched on it's something i keep meaning to do and forget because anything 
oboe, almost any violin studies, you know, they'll work really, really well on flutes. And of course, you know, we've got the, the Bach cello suites, which I know you've arranged for flutes. I mean, there's some wonderful repertoire in other instruments and we need to, um, you know, grab some of their repertoire as well. Well, not that we haven't got enough for flutes, but but just that there, there, there's there's a different uh, different take. I mean, the Paganini's are so good because you know they're they're they're, they're just wonderful compositions, and they're again very lively. They're very challenging. They've they've got the full range. They've got all the articulations. That's another one we haven't done, Claire. The books on articulations. Yes. Again, there's a fantastic. I've only just got it because I think it's only just I think it's only just out actually. Um, Philip Bernard's pronunciation. Don't know that one. Wow. So that's a new. I, I believe it's new. Exercises for mastering the art of articulation for eloquent and expressive flute playings. Wow. Uh, we've just just started looking at these at Wells. Um, so he says, explore the many possibilities of expression through two series of major and minor scales, as well as several exercises and orchestral excerpts. And one thing I really love is he's got a little pullout that's got all of the different uh, articulations there. I mean, it's sort of stuff that we've seen before, but again, as I think we were saying earlier, it's just quite nice to have a different take on it. Um, so he's also got some lovely ideas of methodical practice planning for scales. Always need a bit of planning. So he says, play with the metronome four scales, doubling the notes in double tonguing as fast as possible. And he's got little charts for, for trying to do all of this with different metronome um, speeds and talking about how to relax the tongue, but also this idea that the tongue is a muscle. So if you do put it into training and you try doubling everything, then try tripling everything, then try quadrupling everything, you know, you are building up that little bit of tone. And then at the back, he's got all this sort of ex orchestral excerpts that you would expect to have in here. Uh, we've got the Mendelssohn. Um, we've got the Rossini, William Tell, we've got the Sound Song Carnival of the Animals. So again, all, all the, the usual suspects. Um, but he's got lots and lots of instructions here to try and help us. So he's for the Sound Song, for the Carnival of the Animals, he's got tip. Do not articulate too much. Now there's a good idea. Prioritize D-E-G-E -E instead of Kurtur to keep the flow of the air. I mean, they're just good ideas, just good things to try out. Yep. I really like the fact that Philip talks about if you go dugger rather than tukur, it'll lengthen and help the flow of the airstream, which a lot of people don't think. So you don't need to play short, you just need to play clear. It's always about the air, really, and not the tongue, in my view. I mean, once you know that you are articulating well, yep. it's then all about the air. So I've been looking at Sophie Dufferel's book. It's called Rue Traversierie, The Flute Way. Uh, she's got one, two and three, and they are progressive. Uh, so I've just got uh, number three here. I haven't got the earlier ones um, just um, because of the, the sort of teaching that I, I'm doing. But it's got lovely ideas with these scales in duet form. Again, we've, we've discussed how beneficial that is, but um, 
for example, I was recognizing that one of my students wasn't really uh, articulating with a good sense of rhythm. So to have something, you know, where you're where you're articulating in alternate crotchets. Um, so one's going taka taka and the next person's playing ta and then you're putting it together in a duet was wonderful. And then she's she's even got um, a six voice duet for um, uh, for doing articulation. So that's really lovely. You know, if you if you're lucky enough to be teaching groups of, of uh, students, uh, she's got them all written out with uh, with bass notes as well for uh, intonation and and just some nice ideas um, how to play rapidly. I mean, it is it is the advanced book. I'm quite sure that her um, book one and two are also well worth looking at. And it's again, I think, you know, no, nothing particularly new. We've got charts of different articulations and different groups. Um, but I do think when we're looking at articulation and scales, there's a general sort of sigh of weariness from um, a lot of my students. <laughs> oh, scales again. And having you know done done all of your Tafnel and Gobert and 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 learned all your Reichart patterns, um, you know sometimes you just need a, a, a different way of looking at it because you do still um, you know benefit uh, from playing your scale patterns, but sometimes it's nice to have a, a different look at how you can do them and, and doing them in groups of two people, three people, four people, is is a fun way of looking at it. I must say. I, I think that's fascinating. I, I think it sounds like a fantastic book. Yes, yeah, scales are the bane of people's lives. And yet there's very few pieces, repertoire pieces, that give us the scales that we generally practice when we're doing extended scales, starting on the tonic up to anywhere, top B, top C, top D, back to the bottom, back up to your tonic. Um, but um, if we then, I think the, the best thing is to start people off on sequential patterns, which often are scales or arpeggio based or chromatic or whole tone or dominant or diminished. And sequential patterns also add that bit of musicality and shape and interest. And you can play through all your keys and one pattern and then yep. change, change the pattern. So you've mentioned Tafnel and Gobert, that's a book of sequences. And you mentioned Arakat, which are uh, all sequences. Um, yep. Andre Makar. Yeah. Absolutely fabulous. He was principal flute in, the, I think it was the Boston Philharmonic. Was it in the 1920s or the 30s? Things about, yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Um, Daniel S. Wood. Uh, I don't know. Oh, studies for facilitating the upper register, although it starts lower down. So Daniel S. Wood, he's renowned for his wonderful Volskaprice and this book of technical studies. And Brilliant. Really lovely. Um, there's the Bowen 12 Studies, which is a book of sequences. Yes, indeed. And he picks patterns and he just follows the pattern through all the keys for each studies is goes through all your keys, which is brilliant. Um, Jeffrey Gilbert has a very hard book called yes. Sequences. Uh, we used to have that in the academy. We had um, set study books and set sequence books for each year. So for third year, it was the Jeffrey Gilbert sequences, and the second year was my sequentials, and the first year was the Reichert. And um, it was 
you can you learn so much you feel the patterns you learn patterns which really helps also in sight reading um, as much as tone production as much as as fingers and articulation and sequences are adaptable for everything aren't they they really are and and claire i didn't do them enough as a, as a student and i wish i had um i really do because i think uh, you know i'm always going to be tripped up now uh you know you it's hard to reinforce them as you get older and and i would say to any of our youngsters out there you know spend the time now get them in your fingers because you'll never forget them and they'll be there then and you and you get the confidence then and it is about confidence at the end of the day you know you you want to feel confident when you go out and you play and you get your confidence from knowing that those patterns are there and they're secure. And, and it's so worth that because that would make me feel more comfortable if I'd known I'd done all of those. And, and I can't, I, you know, I can't recommend um, more highly uh, getting, getting those patterns uh, really under your fingers so that you can shut your eyes and just play. Yeah, they, they become the, the building blocks. I always talk about sort of pyramid learning. Uh, this in your practice, you start with tone technique and articulation exercises, yeah. and then you put that into practice into sequences. And then yeah. a little bit higher up, that goes into studies, the, the traditional studies we've talked about, like Boehm and Anderson. And then yeah. right at the top of the pyramid is your repertoire. Yeah. And the repertoire, Love. you can just go and play because you've worked all the other things. Yeah. What about it's probably unlikely that that's the way that most people practice though which is really sad because that you know that pyramid you've just described makes so much sense doesn't it this is for the serious flute player so i mean for those so those people for our listeners who are just great amateurs you know you have to work with the time you've got but if you want to push your development don't neglect the sequences and and the studies now, we haven't talked about um, finger, uh, but finger technique books. Um, I'm wondering whether you've heard or seen the one by Moshe Epstein called Mind Your Fingers. I have not. Sounds as if I should have. Moshe Epstein is the most fabulous flute player. He studied a lot with Moise and he was, he's, lived and worked both in Israel and in Germany. He was professor in Hamburg um, and in Jerusalem, the conservatoire. And this book came about after years and years and years. And he's based it on a scale that comes in the Paganini Caprices. I think it's number six, which right. starts with it, which has a chromatic scale going to the top and coming back down. So it's a sequence book. He's got patterns. Uh, so it gives you a pattern um, on the first page, which is just a, a two-bar figure um, on, a, on a scale, on a chromatic scale. And then the next two bars changes the rhythm. So he's got two bars of a little tiny bit of the chromatic scale in a rhythm. And then every two bars, he changes the rhythm. So it's nothing to do with articulation. It's all legato. And then the next page, he transposes it up a semitone. So you gradually work up doing all these variations of rhythms, which in itself is fascinating. And then wow. you work your way down. And then the next half of the book is based on whole tone scales, which same thing, two bars with a rhythm, and then change the rhythm. And it's 
it's a really thick book and there's no pictures. But <laughs> I tell you what, I he gave me a copy years ago and I just played from it every day for a, a month. My technique zipped along. It was so wow. much better because by, we always yeah. talk about changing the rhythms and changing the articulations, but he almost took, he took the thought process out for you. It's all in front of you. And Brilliant. it works, it works stunningly. Absolutely oh, fantastic. I think I will be running to find that and I'm sure your listeners will too. <laughs> Where do we get it by Zimmerman and it's called Mind Your Fingers Mind by your fingers. Moshe Epstein. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Yep. Sounds fantastic. It is. Uh, who else have we got? There's, um, of course, Moyes has many technique, technique books, finger technique books. There's the 480 exercises I'm sure you're familiar and with. And I was just thinking when you were saying, you know, taking something and doing 50, because isn't it, I'm just going to reach over because it's here. It is 50, isn't it? 50 variations <laughs> on the Bark Almond. Yes. <laughs> on the Alamond, yeah. which from a um, from a historical flute player's perspective, uh, I probably shouldn't be recommending. And yet, you know, it goes back to my sort of idea that if you're playing a piece, uh, one of the best things you can do is, is you know, defragment it, if you like, and put in your own study. And, and maybe that's, that's where I'm sort of uh, heading towards, if I say, you know, my inspiration for for being familiar with the whole um, concept of, of the study mm. is that that's what you end up doing to your own pieces, yeah. you know, finding that bar and choosing uh, 50 different ways of playing it. And this is a really, really good eye-opening uh, starter, if you like, um, for finding the bar that you can't play and then putting it into, into 50 different variations. Yeah. And I, I, love, I, I do love this book. So that's called 50 Variations on the Bach Almond from his solo sonata. I actually played about half that book to Moyes in a masterclass. Brilliant. So, um, I, I didn't understand a lot of what he told me. Right. But he would just, he would, he would say something in his broken English and then say, next one. And then we just sort of, work through but it was at the most terrifying thing and and the most enlightening thing all at the same time but i love that, <laughs> that book um have we missed any other the finger technique book i mean moise has got um the 480 the technique and chromaticism um his daily, got... daily exercise of the scale book jeffrey gilbert's got a scale book that's a um, we've got the um, Taffanel and Gobert, the, the yes. method. That's got an awful lot in it, hasn't it? I mean, awesome, awesome pages of, of sequences again. Fabulous. Um, Taffanel and Gobert, the, the, the first lot of exercises. Are there 18, the first book of exercises? The in first the second book, volume. In the second it, volume. Yeah, I think there's. 18 and then and there's 18 to begin with you're right and then he goes into um 24 etude progressive again it's the idea oh. of the progressive and they're hard and, and they're really hard and then after all that you get uh 12 grand etudes de virtuosity just in case you needed some more <laughs> And then after that, I mean, what a book, what a book. You then get a whole thing on 
a part seven um, style, advice for style, absolutely gold dust advice on how to phrase. I mean, it's, you You know, it, we are we are very spoiled, aren't we really? We are. Yeah, yeah it's a wonderful book. I know, so we're, we're giving out so many books. It's, I don't think for our listeners, it, it doesn't really matter which books you pick because they will all help. Um, I was just thinking now, there's, there's some we haven't mentioned, sort of slightly more general um, for, for the tone technique and articulation. Peter Lucas Graf's Checkup book. Yes. Uh, Paul Edmund Davis. Yeah. Um, the 28 day warm up book or something. Um, and uh, Moy's How I Stayed in Shape. I love that book. I don't know that one. I don't know that. That, how I stayed, how I stayed in shape. Ah, that's it's a collection of exercise and melodies. Now he really? said um, that it was for assisting professional flute players with little practice time at their disposal. Those oh. who want to preserve their acquired skills and those who wish to acquire new ones. Isn't that so, amazing? Yes, so that's please. Really good. Well, that's another go-to. And then we've got Stephen Clark's The Flute Gym, which I don't have to my I don't home. have. I've read about it and it sounds fantastic. So it's Stephen Clark. Fantastic. Yeah. And Joss Campbell, uh, my dear friend Joss, has got study books for each grade. Yeah. Uh, and I keep reading fabulous reviews uh, that you need all. I think she's got nine. I think she's got eight, the, the grades one to eight plus a diploma level one. Uh, so much work. Great reviews, as you said. Joss Campbell, um, they're called warm-up books. They're, they're for each grade. Yeah, um, very, very sadly, I haven't got one to to look at to, to tell you what's inside, but I do keep hearing fabulous reviews. Um, and Stephen Clark's likewise, uh, which is called The Flute Gym. Uh, so I think they're, they're two that have um, sort of come, come out of lockdown. So probably well worth having a little dip into those. So we've, what we've talked about then, we've talked about tone books, finger technique books, an articulation which can be which are basically sort of sequence based and then we've talked about traditional and contemporary study books where it's a, like a complete piece as a study going through yeah. various techniques and yeah. we've mentioned a few uh general uh work method. books method books yeah. method books method. Yeah. now yeah. do you remember uh, do you remember what was your most challenging studies you ever played? Well, do you know what? I would say <laughs> the first in our project that we've just completed yeah. would be the challenge. I mean, they were interesting because I'd learned them on, on an eight-keyed flute. Uh, and, yeah, and I've got a wonderful book. Uh, it's in German, unfortunately, and I've never had it translated. It's it's a big, big, thick book, and it and it has at the back. I mean, just a hundred and fifty different uh, fingerings for each note. Uh, and and he's uh, he's sort of um, it, all the symbols are there so that you can then look up the alternative fingerings. And and if you're an eight keyed flute player, this is your go to book. Um, but I was looking for another 24 studies that we could put in to do a second lockdown project, having done the 24 Boehms uh, in the first lockdown. And uh, I've always loved the Fuster now, but I've never played them on modern flute. So that was my challenge because uh, they're hard. They're really hard. And absolutely everybody who signed up to play one 
was writing to me going, ah, wish I hadn't chosen that one because it's really hard. And I was going, yeah, but the last person just said that. I'm the next person's just saying that. So they were really hard. They were a real challenge. They were a real challenge to perfect. And of course, you know, big, so we've got 24 videos and they're all on YouTube. They're all on a playlist. If you go to my YouTube play uh, page, uh, all the Bowen ones are there and then all the first in our ones, which we've just completed are all there. And you get a little, um, you get a little performance from a different uh, musician, uh, flute player, and then a little lesson afterwards, just, just a sort of pointer of, of this is what I worked on and, and this is what I found hard. Um, and I think they're going to be a great resource, actually, Claire, because you, you know, you, you get such a variety of, of emphases from, from a variety of players. You know, we've got teachers at music college there. We've got students at music college there. We've got graduates. We've got postgraduates. Uh, we've got um, players from Canada, America, Australia. Um, and, and they're, they're sort of, um, I mean, absolute generosity, huge generosity. They did this in lockdown. Some on, on you know, good quality with good microphones, some on a phone. Um, and and they did it all for charity, for, for help musicians. So absolutely none of us got any um, monetary uh, remuneration. But I have to say, uh, it was a brilliant challenge. It was a brilliant challenge. And I think it was a really big help to a lot of professional players who uh, were sitting in orchestras up to last year and then had nothing. Uh, so we've got quite a lot of orchestral players there um, joining us as well, who I think enjoyed the challenge, but it was a challenge. May I say it was a challenge. And yeah, this well, is Congratulations to you because it was a fantastic project and it is a great resource and I'm looking forward to the next one. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> no, we don't want another lockdown. No, not a lockdown, but uh, if you do a, a study project, I thought it was fantastic. And yeah. certainly with the, with the lessons afterwards. I was just thinking about my um, most challenging studies and I think they have to be the Lorenzo. Um, oh, there are two yeah. Lorenzo books. There's one, um, Caprices, and there's one called The Nine Gross, but that's gross as in big, not, not horrible. I think they're the hardest one. Uh, but the 18 Capri Caprices, they're not as hard, but they've got, there's so much humor in the title. So he's got things like a rough task, a dirge, future, futuristic dream, and a bandy-legged capriccio. I mean, he's got such funny titles. That's so there's a lot of humor in them. Andantino Platino, I've just looked at. My copy has not been started. Isn't that awful? I probably bought it, looked at it and thought, ooh. So there we go. That could be my new challenge. New maybe challenge. we should, maybe we should try and record all of these. I think all it would be great. Or... Very hard. <laughs> or, very, or the Carl Gellert. I think the Carl Gellert are great because you've got starting from quite easy to quite difficult and they're very short. They remind me of the Moist 24 and that you've got something really short but focused on, on a particular technique. So Carl Gellert might be a good one. Might be a very good one. Well, so goodness, I think we've covered quite a lot and I think people listening will realise that we are great fans of study and technical books because they really 
help you develop your flute playing, even if you just do a little bit. They're Absolutely. really important. I've got a little tiny quote from uh, Sophie who writes in her Rue Traversierie, uh, only independent fun and rigorous practice will guarantee the acquisition of a fluid technique. The end goal is also why these exercises call on your creativity, use your imagination. Isn't that lovely? Absolutely. I think that, that sort of sums it up for me, the, the joy uh, of the study and not the sort of, you know, you, you will improve all aspects of your playing, uh, but it doesn't have to be a nightmare challenge. It, it, it you know, we've got so many beautiful studies mm -hmm. um, and, and it's, you know, it should, well, it is a joy, isn't it really? That's a great place to finish, Liz. Thank you so much. That's just so interesting. And I'm, I'm a great fan of all these books, and it, you obviously are as well. And I hope our listeners get, get that from us today. So thank you for, for your time and uh, all the information. It's fantastic. I hope we talk again soon. It's been a joy. Thanks, Liz. Bye. Talking Flutes and Talking Flutes Extra are podcast productions by the Trevor James Flute Company. For more information, visit trevorjamesflutes.com.